Hi, welcome to the Parenting in the Middle podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Goodman. I'm a certified life coach and a mom to three teens and a tween. Do you ever wonder if you're doing this whole mom thing right? Are you pushing too hard or not enough? What does it look like to love your teens yet keep firm boundaries? Do you know that you can do all of this without yelling and feeling frustrated? Here in this podcast, you will find coaching and communication strategies to help you tackle all of your hardest parenting struggles. These strategies will help you parent with more confidence, peace, and influence. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen Goodman. Really quick, I apologize. First of all, I'm still figuring out audio. So if it feels really quiet and then gets really loud and you're adjusting your volume, I'm so sorry. I'm still trying to figure it out. So hopefully we'll get it We'll get it situated soon, but it is what it is. Regardless, I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you for listening. Are you guys on summer vacation yet? My kids finished school last week. My oldest graduated high school, so she's on to bigger and better things. And it's just been a really fun month. I feel like we're able to gather together in large groups again. I was at several graduations and it just felt so good to be among people, to shake hands, to see people embrace. And I'm just loving it. In fact, I even walked into a Chick-fil-A, which I have not been inside of a Chick-fil-A in over a, well, maybe over a year, actually. I went inside just the other day and I was like, wow, I think it was a brand new Chick-fil-A that they had built too. And I had never been inside because it got finished right before the pandemic hit. And I walked in, I had pre, one of the best things about COVID, right, is that now we're so used to curbside delivery and ordering beforehand on our phone. So I had ordered beforehand, but I had ordered a larger order and I was going to deliver it to my daughter. So um, for her and her friends, the last day of school for lunch. And so I wanted to go in and pick it up so I could make sure to get a drink carrier and stuff. So I walked in and I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't been inside of a Chick-fil-A in a year. And anyway, it was a great great experience. We're so grateful for the little things, aren't we? After having the year that we've had, and I hope where you live, you are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel too, and you're able to gather together in large groups. And anyway, well, let's get to the podcast. I am excited to introduce you to my guest today, Ben Pugh. He's a life coach and he coaches parents and teenagers both together. He has a membership one for parents, one for teens, and I love the message that he shares. We are very aligned in the things that we share, and so I'm happy to have him on my podcast, and I know that you will learn a lot from him and that he will say things that you'll be like, oh my gosh, I love I love that he said that. So let's get to the episode today. Here we go. All right. Hi, Ben. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I'm a fan of your podcast and just happy to be here. Good. Okay, well, tell my listeners a little bit about you and how you got into coaching. You're a coach also. Yep. Yeah. I I am an LCS Life Coach School certified life coach for parents and teenagers. Yeah, so we do uh, a lot of similar things. Yeah, you and I, like, listening to your podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, like, we teach the same thing. We, yeah. Our goal is the same. We want to support the parents to really help the teenagers. And so kind of the reason I do this is because when I was a teenager, I was a knucklehead. I got in trouble all the time. 
I accidentally lit my school bus on fire with some of my friends and just all the adults in my life were catastrophizing and they're like, oh, your life is over. Hold on, hold on. How do you accidentally set a school bus on fire? Am I allowed to ask you that? Yes, and we can definitely get into that. A friend of mine had stolen some rubber cement. I don't know what it was back in the day, but I feel like from like second grade through probably the time I accidentally lit the school bus on fire, we used rubber cement for everything. Yeah. Paste stuff onto papers and we make pictures. And anyways, one of my friends had stolen a little bottle of rubber cement I knew it wasn't his, but he was like, hey, will you hold this for me? And so I held it for him throughout the day. I felt so guilty. And on the bus ride home, he's like, hey, do you have my rubber cement? And I was like, yes, please take it. As I was passing it, one of our other friends was like, hey, I've got a lighter. Let's light that on fire. And so luckily, we're towards the end of the bus ride home. All the good kids were in the front of the bus. There weren't very many kids left. And then us knuckleheads in the back. And we lit that on fire. I was a dummy holding it. I remember trying to put the lid on. (laughs) And like for all of your listeners, do not try this at home. Don't do it on a school bus. Don't do it anywhere. Rubber cement goes up in flames so fast. We couldn't get the lid on. I tried to throw it out the bus window and I hit the little bar in between the open windows and it sent flaming rubber cement all over the back of the bus. And oh my goodness, I was in so much trouble. I was in trouble at school. I was in trouble at home. I was in trouble at church. I, it was awful. I just feel, I remember feeling so ashamed and so embarrassed. And like everyone was really quick to tell me how disappointed they were. I remember church leaders telling me, hey, you're not going to be able to serve a mission. One guy in particular, he's like, we don't send arsonists to represent the church. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know what an arsonist was. And I remember trying to go to another friend's house like weeks, probably months later. And his mom met me at the door and she's like, sorry, you can't play at our house. We don't want you to burn our house down. And so part of why I do what I do is to support the teenagers that are making decisions that most of us in the world are like, well, that was dumb. That's not a good thing to do. And I, I just, I feel like I have this calling to not only advocate for our teenagers, but to also offer support for their parents and the teenager to really turn these struggles into strengths. And I didn't realize that was my calling. My wife and I kind of fell into doing foster parenting and we're like, yeah, we'll do this for a little while. It's easy side money. My wife gets to stay home with the kids. And then we did it for 10 years and loved wow. it. And I got into education, which they told me I'd never be able to do because I lit a school bus on fire. And it turns out no, none of the adults in my life ever knew what they were talking about. They were just scared and kind of yeah. spreading their own fear. I became a teacher and then a high school principal for five years on the Ute Indian Reservation. It was actually an alternative school where most of the students had been suspended from one of our surrounding schools. And <clears throat> due to my experience getting suspended and being in trouble, I took a different approach and I refused to suspend kids. 
And I just took more of a nurturing rather than punishing and completely turned the school around. My wife and I were phenomenal foster parents. And that's when I started thinking, you know what? I would rather do this on my own. I think I can help more people. I think I can help more parents. And so that's kind of the path that led me to where I am now, where I'm a life coach that specializes in helping parents of teenagers. Wow. I love that. And I think it's such an important message to share. And it's now I was, I was probably one of the kids that would have been on the front of the bus because I was the very obedient kid. But the interesting thing about it is I still had, you know, guilt and shame and, and things. It's like all of us have issues no matter where we are in our life. And so, and I've always had a soft spot in my heart for those who do struggle or have circumstances that aren't ideal. And so I, I wanted to help them. And so interesting, we have, we're coming from different experiences, but we, we both have the same like passion to help, help those teens that are struggling, but also help their parents and help helping them get along and see how they can get along and how to communicate because because I do feel like everyone at, at our core wants to be a good parent and wants to be a good team. You know, we want to do good. And so I just love, I love what you do. And so I know when I think we connected over Facebook, I saw a comment that you had made in one of our groups. And I was like, that was such a good comment. Like we do, we have the same, we share the same message typically. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was really excited to connect with you. So with this podcast today, I, I love getting a male perspective on, on situations. Cause I've got my perspective and a lot of coaches are, are other women. And so I like to talk to the male coaches, especially the ones who are parenting coaches as well to get your perspective. And I was thinking about this episode today and I have all girls and I feel like I get the message a lot. People will tell me, Oh, you have girls, you know, just wait till they're teenagers. And I've heard that, you know, girls are easier when they're younger, but then when they hit their teens, you know, and all the hormones and it's going to get crazy, it's going to get hard. Um, And so it just made me think, okay, I want to talk to you about the differences in parenting boys versus girls. And I don't want to get too general because I know every child is different. Every boy is different. Every girl is different. So, so I want to be careful not to stereotype or oversimplify, but also this idea of nurturing nature versus nurture. And is it different for boys and girls? What do you think? Man, that is a deep question. <clears throat> so in my home right now, I've got a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old boy. And then my daughter is much younger. She's turning eight this summer and then a five-year-old son. But I have raised a number of other people's teenagers, both male and female, as a foster dad. And it's very interesting in wondering, like, man, what is the difference? And I think there is a difference, but I don't think it's to the extreme that society would have you think. Like, no, here's how all girls should be raised. Here's right. how all boys should be raised. I think it's really important to almost let go of, well, here's how boys should be raised. Here's how girls and really take the approach of how does this individual child need to be raised? Okay. I'll tell you one time that really opened my eyes into that need to kind of be aware of the individual needs. I was a high school principal at the time. 
one of my foster daughters was a student at the school where I was a principal. And that was something that I usually didn't allow. Like I didn't want to have to be their dad who dealt with behavior issues and the principal that had to deal with behavior issues. I didn't feel like that was fair to the kids. I have to deal with me at school. Now they have to deal with me at home. I know everything going on, but this one girl, we decided, you know what, she's doing really well. I think I could help her at my school more than she would get help at other schools. And I remember one time we're driving home from school and I decided, you know, I'm going to take this back road. I love like just getting away and kind of having a slower pace. And usually she would just talk my ear off the whole ride home and the whole ride to school. And this one time she was just quiet and nervous. I'm like, man, what is going on? And it didn't dawn on me until later. I was like, oh my goodness, she has suffered abuse at the hand of father figures. I, I put her in the worst situation possible. And I was just naive. Like I was clueless. And afterwards I talked to her and I was like, Hey, I apologize. I did not even think about that. It was springtime towards the end of the school year. Leaves were finally starting to come on the trees. And I was like, I just wanted to go a different route home. I wanted to see animals and she understood, but that's when I realized, oh my goodness, I need to do a better job of being aware of the individual needs of my child. Now, it, like I look at that and I still like, I don't know if you could tell my face got kind of red and hot, like it's still embarrassing sometimes, but I look at that circumstance and I'm grateful that it happened because that taught me a powerful lesson that I often remember, like with my own children, I think, oh, okay, what, like my 14-year-old, what are his needs right now? What am I missing? What am I not thinking about? And that really helps me kind of be better informed as a parent. And with my son, it's easy. Like, yeah, I was a boy. I was a knucklehead. Like he's been suspended a few times. Uh, my mother cursed me when I was young. She's like, I hope you have a son just like you. <laughs> but I can kind of draw on that experience and be like, okay, he's playing sports. Here's how I would have liked to have had support when I was a kid. I'm going to try and do that. But with my daughter, like I will probably be completely lost when she's a teenager because I was never a teenage daughter. Right. <laughs> but just taking the time to be aware of, oh, where are they? What is their circumstance? What's going on in their life? And really getting out of your own head sometimes as a parent. Yeah. I think that is such a good way to shift the thinking to the individual child and, and such a good way to keep yourself in check as the parent of, instead of getting into the drama of, I'm not doing this right. I don't know what to do. It's like, what does my child need what are they going through? What can I do for them? Is there anything I'm missing? Is there anything I can do? Because I do think that when you ask yourself good questions, your brain will find good answers for you. So I do, I appreciate that you said that. What can you do? I'm focused on that individual child. And I can tell you from experience, like it was not fun as a teenage young man to constantly be compared to the other teenage young men. 
like, well, so-and-so has never let a school bus on fire or so-and-so is going to mission prep classes. Why aren't you? And it's like people ignored my past and were just trying to fix me. And I remember having a talk with one of my church leaders, like, why would I go to mission prep class? Like, I'll go get myself excited to not even be able to go on a mission. And he's like, wait, do you need to talk to the bishop? Why wouldn't you be able to go on a mission? And I was like, well, I lit a school bus on fire once. They don't send arsonists to be missionaries. And I remember this leader saying, yeah, that's not a thing. Like you can still go on a mission, like go to missionary prep class. And when he took time to kind of explore, Hey, what's going on here? Where are you coming from? That was when the connection happened rather than like so many other leaders were like, well, why don't you go with so-and-so he's doing all this. He's such a good kid. Yeah. Yeah. Really just dropping any judgment and just getting curious and exploring. Like you said, your brain your brain is a super powerful thing. If you look for things, your brain will find it. So put it to work exploring, like what is going on with my teenager? How can I connect? How yeah. can I understand what their life looks like compared to what mine did when I was a teenager? Right. And I think that we don't know that we don't realize so much of what we say and the impact it has on our kids. Cause I know I've certainly said things to my kids that in the moment, weren't very kind and were probably really judgmental. Um, but now knowing what I know, I'm able to go back and we can talk about it and discuss things. But and if you're not aware of that, you might say things in the moment to your kids that are really hurtful or that they hold onto and it becomes who they are and like a belief that they have now about themselves. And then as a parent, you just have, you just said something and you probably forgot what you even said. Like that leader who said you were an arsonist, arsonist, uh, don't go on missions. It's he may have forgotten that he ever said that to you because he just said it without thinking. Yeah, and I'm that sure really he's good. Well intentioned. Right. Yeah, thinking that will make you change, make you want yeah. to be better. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I teach parents that I feel like is empowering, it isn't your job to control how your teenager or your child feels. Like if you say something hurtful and they're hurt, that's on them. But mo all the parents that I work with don't want to go around saying hurtful things. And so when we can shift our focus from our teenager who may be hurt or may be offended, and we can take it inward, like with my foster daughter that was just so nervous and like went to a bad place. And she's like, man, I thought I trusted this guy. What's going to happen? I, I realize I can't control how she felt, how she interprets that, but I can 100% control how I show up and I can own what I did. And I, like, I talked to her, Hey, I am really sorry. Like I was not even thinking had I have thought this through, I definitely wouldn't have done that, but it's shifting the focus from them to me because that's what I can control. How am I going to show up? I'm going to own this. I'm going to apologize. Yeah. Like we went on that back road lots of times before the school year ended. But after she understood, oh yeah, like it is fun. Like there's horses and cows that have recently had babies and it's fun to take this back ro road. And just really as a parent realizing, okay, 
it's not my job to control how they feel, but it's my job to show up the best possible way that I can. And when I make mistakes, that's okay, because now I'm going to model what it's like to fix mistakes and do my best to repair any damages. Yes. Oh, that's really good. And not, not be over, because this is what I will tend to do sometimes. It's like, you've realized you made a mistake and then you are over apologetic about it. Like I'm, I'm over apologizing because I feel so bad and I want my kids to feel better. So then I'm just being too much of that convincing, like you need to feel better. I'm so sorry. And it, that doesn't come off very well either. Kind of comes off a little desperate, like desperate mom needs kids to feel better. So I really appreciate what you said then. It's like, own your mistake. You can apologize. And then it's up to your kids to choose how they want to feel about it. And then they can own that and you're, that you're modeling that. And that's really important. Yeah. One of the hard things that I see parents do, like right now, for some reason in my coaching business, I'm coaching a lot of parents that they're at the end of raising kids. Like all their older kids are grown and moved away. Now, one parent had all boys and now they're dealing with a teenage daughter and another like they're just, things are different than it was in the beginning. And they just have all this guilt and this shame. Like, uh, mm -hmm. if I would have known these tools better, I would have been better with all of my other kids. Or if this, like, none of that is beneficial. Right. And you can just trust that all the lessons that you learned with your teenage boys that you're now struggling to apply to your teenage daughter that's exactly how you're supposed to be as a parent. You were meant to parent that way. That's why God gave you these children right now. And just trust that any struggle you're facing is actually a gift. It's the struggles are what give us strengths and help us grow. And so really, rather than beating yourself up and judging your past self with your current knowledge, be grateful for where your past self has gotten you because you're here where you are today because of what you did yesterday and just really have compassion for yourself the best that you can. And just remember, Oh, I don't want to judge myself. I want to have compassion. That's a powerful place to start. Yeah. That's really good and really helpful. I think for any parent, I think as parents, we all have felt that, that guilt or that regret, like we should have done it different or we wish we would have done it different. So that's really helpful. One of the ways that I will coach the parents I talk to to have that compassion, because a lot of times we are harder on ourselves than anyone else, right? Yeah. Um, and so when they're telling me about their kids or their daughters and how they want their daughters to feel about themselves, they, they say all of the right things. So it's like intrinsically, we know we are all worthy and valuable, but but we don't offer that to ourselves for some reason. So I'll just say, hey, if you were your daughter, if your daughter was you having the same thoughts and feelings that you were having, what would you tell her? And it's so interesting. They always know what to say. And then I'm, I'm just like, you just have to apply that to you, you know, because we all deserve that self-compassion that we give to so many other people. Yeah, really good. And it really starts with loving you. Recently on my podcast, I interviewed a mom that has been one of my clients and she said, loving your teen well starts with loving yourself well. And I was like, oh my goodness, that is so true and so powerful. 
And usually, like you said, we're harder on ourselves than we are other people. And one of the things that parents don't realize is that human beings are herd animals. And so as herd animals, we just like to follow one another. We like to think the same. We like to feel the same. We like to act the same. And a lot of times parents will be like, well, I tell them I love them. I tell them I trust them, but they don't really trust them. They're just trying to do lip service and say the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I always tell parents, start with yourself. Be the change that you want to see in your teenager because they will watch that. And so if you can be the loving parent and rather than simply doing the action and telling your teenager, hey, I love you, or I think you're amazing, truly believe that and feel that. And as the herd animals that we are, your teenager is going to start to adopt that same way of thinking and that same way of feeling. And so if you can learn to love yourself, hold space and have compassion for yourself, that's going to help your teenager do the same for themselves. And it really, it's kind of like everyone's flown on an airplane, but no one gives like stewardesses this credit for the wise thing that they say. When the air mask pops down or drops down, put it on yourself before you try and help anyone else. That's what I always tell parents to do. You have got to take care of you first so that you can now go meet the needs of your teenagers. Yeah, that's really good because our teens are so receptive too. They know when we're just giving them lip, lip service and just saying what they want to hear. And, and they know when we're telling them all the things, but we don't really believe it about ourselves. They can yeah. feel that. And so yeah. that is really good to start with yourself and the way you feel about yourself, what you believe about yourself, do the work on you. And it will just naturally come to your kids through that process. Yeah. And I'll share an experience that happened the other day. And I promise this will happen to your teenager someday. <laughs> I was grumpy. My back was a little sore and my son was telling me something and I just didn't really care. And I was kind of grumpy towards him and huffy. And all of a sudden I realized, oh my goodness, I'm acting like my dad used to act after a long day of work. Like I just saw it in my brain. I'm like, oh my goodness, I am exactly like my dad. And so I was like, oh, how do I want to show up right now? What do I want to do differently? Trust that how you show up today is how your teenager is likely going to show up when they are now your age. So like 20 years into the future or whatever. And it's really empowering as a parent to realize, oh, I can't directly control my teenager. I can't change them. I can't fix them. But I have a pretty big influence in how they're going to show up as an adult. So I'm going to take responsibility for how I show up and be the example. Like I'm going to be that change that I want to see, trusting that they're not going to help it. They're going to in 20 years, they're going to look back and be like, oh my goodness, I just did what dad did. Yeah. My mom used to do that. Right. I love that. I think we can all relate to that for sure. Okay. So um, I want to refer my listeners to your latest podcast, which I really loved. It was three parenting mistakes we all make. And you talk about catastrophizing things, which I think as parents of teenagers, we all do also, you know, every mistake that they might make or thing they might do, or if they're rude to us, we catastrophize it and make it this big problem. 
And so how would you recommend if, if a parent notices that they are doing that, but they're like, no, this is a really big deal. Like my son started a fire on a bus. Like that's a really big deal. How do you go from thinking this is the end of the world to what do you do instead of catastrophizing? I guess is my question. Yeah, there's so many options. And I, so I teach catastrophizing in my one-on-one coaching calls. And it really depends on who I'm working with. We can always go to the extreme opposite and we could optimize things. That really works well with teenagers. Adults struggle with the imagination, but teenagers are like, oh yeah. Uh, Like I had a teen that I was working with that really struggled with being able to control his addiction to smoke weed. And like we get all the worst case scenario and he'd be like, yeah, my mom's worried I'm going to die in a ditch somewhere. And when I asked, well, what is the best case scenario? Like optimal outcome, what would it be? And he's like, and this kind of like made me blush a little. He's like, well, I'd be like you and I'd help other people who got in trouble. So I'd probably be like this big speaker and I could talk to other teens who were struggling with smoking marijuana And he was able to go from, man, this is this terrible thing and I'm going to die in a ditch to, hey, this is kind of cool. I I could use this. If I can control this, I can help other kids control this. And And he came up with that all on his own. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he shared that with his mom and his mom was like, he's passionate about this. He's now talking to his friends and there's like this group of them that aren't smoking weed and they're being smarter. Like he really is being a change in our community. And so that's the one thing, like you can go to the other extreme and look for that. But the other thing, I want to refer back to something that you said, like let your brain start looking for things. And really when you catch yourself, and so right now the things that I see it the most in with my clients are my kids are on their screens way too often Uh, My kids aren't doing as well in school as they were before the pandemic. And they're just catastrophizing. They think, oh, my kids, if they're on the screen too much, they're going to be depressed. They're going to have mental illness. Like they're catastrophizing. Mm -hmm. When it comes to school, they're like, well, they'll never go to college. They won't have a job. And the dads are funny. Their worst case scenario is always, they're going to live in my basement for the rest of their lives. (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Moms are more excited. They're like, yeah, I get my teenager forever. Dads are like, I'm going to have to feed him. I'm going to have to pay for his. (laughs) Yeah. But when you can identify, okay, I am catastrophizing and just ask yourself, what is the good side of this? Like if I, I teach the model and I always tell my clients, circumstances are neutral. And so right now your kids failing classes, that's a circumstance. It's neutral. And if it's neutral, yeah, there's a negative side, but there's also a positive. What is that? And I've had parents tell me, well, they're not passing their classes, but they're actually happier than they have been in a while. And they're just not as stressed about school. And when you can neutralize what's going on, you don't have to go to the full extreme of, oh, it's all beautiful and sunshine and daisies. But if you can neutralize it for every negative about that, circumstance find one positive just one and just work on neutralizing it and for me that's beneficial because there are some things that 
I know cognitively that, yeah, that's neutral, but my tendency is to focus on all the worst things and then project out into the future. Like, yeah, he's going to die in a ditch somewhere. Yeah. Once I can start to neutralize that, it empowers me to shift my focus and realize, oh, I can focus on the negative or I can choose to focus on this bright side. So really just starting to be aware of it and then slowly shifting your mentality. I promise that will be huge. That will help you have more control over your own thoughts. Yeah, that is so helpful. And not only because it helps us feel better and not feel so much worry, but our kids, like I said earlier, they know how we feel. They can feel our energy. And so when we're projecting that worry on them, they're, they're going to feel it. And so, yeah, like you said, if you can find that positive, you're going to show up in a way that's not so doom and gloom and have more influence on your kids. Yeah. And that influence is huge. I think a lot of times we catastrophize because it worked when we were kids. Like our yeah. parents would say, man, you're going to die in a ditch somewhere. And we'd get scared and we'd change our behavior and it worked. Now that doesn't work. Kids right. are like, well, I guess a ditch is as good a place as any to die. And it doesn't really change them. Yeah. When we can realize that our efforts of catastrophizing, they don't change our kids and they just make us feel like crap as parents. And we realize the only person you can change is yourself. And so when you stop catastrophizing, how do you show up differently? And that's one of the things, like one of the moms that I worked with, it was kind of a struggle. Her son was selling vapes and kind of getting into gangs and drugs. And she's like, when I stopped catastrophizing, it didn't change him. It changed me. And when I changed, everything started to change. And that is when you can start having more influence over your teen's life. You're going to let go of your efforts to try and control them and you're going to double down on how you want to show up and they're going to recognize that and they're going to respect you more and listen to you more. Mm-hmm. And so that's how that change happens. And to go back to your original question, like boys versus girls, they're all different. Boys and girls are different. Each individual boy and girl is different. Really allow them to be on your team in this quest to improve yourself. Let them know, hey, you know what? I want to have the best relationship possible with you. What can I do? And I know for my teenage son, he's like, dad, just leave me alone a little bit more. Just step back. And that was powerful for me because I was like, oh, okay. Like I can see my tendency wanting to grab on and latch on. And yeah, I can respect that you're getting older and I will let go a little bit Uh, with my daughter. She's only eight, but there was a time well, she's almost eight, but there was a time when she was younger that we practiced loving dad because for whatever reason, all of a sudden she went through a phase where she didn't want anything to do with me. She didn't want to tell me good night. She didn't want to say, I love you. Like her just saying hi (laughs) was a step forward and just getting her on my same team and say, Hey, I want to be the best dad that I can be. What are some things that you'd like me to do? And really empower your teens to empower you, have them help you identify 
what they would like you to do. And then if it's aligned with what you want to do, yeah, just show up and do that. You're meeting them right where they are. And you don't have to do this alone. They'll respect you for your efforts to really connect with them. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ben. This has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed listening and learning from you. So tell my listeners where they can find you and what you have to offer as far as coaching. And if they're interested in working with you, how they would do that. Yeah. So I have a podcast. It's called Impact Parenting with Perspective. Uh, That would be a good place to go learn some of my teachings, learn like you've probably learned a lot of it from this podcast because Kristen, I swear you and I are on the same wavelength. From there, right now I'm doing group coaching with three other certified life coaches and we have a membership for parents and you can find out more about that at firmlyfounded.com slash parent. And that's a group membership. Like I said, I host it with three other coaches uh, Joey Massio, I believe, was on your podcast yeah, he was. a while back. He's one yeah. of the coaches that I collaborate with. And then in that group, we meet twice a month. It's going to go up to four times a month in June. Plus, you get two 25-minute one-on-one private sessions throughout the month as well. So it's that's awesome. It's really awesome. And I don't know that there's anything. And that's with teams or parents or both? We actually have a group for both. The okay. parent, you can go to firmlyfounded.com slash parent, and that'll take you to the parent one. And then the teenager group is slightly different, but that is at firmlyfounded.com slash teen. They're Perfect. both awesome. And I would say like most parents, and I think I heard you say this on a podcast once, <clears throat> most parents come to me wanting me to fix their teenager. Yeah. If you want your teenager fix, that is outside of your control. Be the change that you want to see. Get help for yourself. And I can tell you teens are more receptive to coaching if you say, hey, look at this. There's a teen group and a parent group. I'm willing to go do the work. What do you say? Do you want to go be a member of that team membership? And we'll do this together. So. So good. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for being on my podcast. Just as you were talking, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can create so many quotes for my for my social media pages just from the things that you were saying. So I'm excited to share share this podcast and every and your message. Awesome. So, yeah, it was my so pleasure. Thank you. All right. We'll see ya. Thank you for listening to the Parenting in the Middle podcast. I am so grateful you're here. I'm excited to announce that my group coaching course is now open for enrollment. You will get access to seven videos and eight live coaching sessions all over eight weeks. You will learn and apply actionable tools that will help you be a more confident and decisive parent. And because us moms like to put everyone else's needs before our own, you'll also learn how to set your own personal goals and actually achieve them. Send me an email at kristengoodman at parentinginthemiddle.com to get on the interest list. You can also find more information on my show notes or on my Instagram page at Kristen Goodman Coaching. I can't wait to see you there.